Welcome to the King of Glory Lutheran Church Education Podcast. We are a Christian community of faith located in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information, please visit us on the web at kogva.org. Good to all of you that are joining us online. Um, we are gathered together and we're going to... Let me open... Those of you... Who was in church this morning? All of you? Well, you too. <laughs> <laughs> You read this love for Okay, you'll hear this. So this is, this is a prayer. I think I'd like to open this prayer. Those of you that uh, were in church and those of you that will be in church will hear this prayer of Pastor Sermon, Harmon's Sermon this morning. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he's looked on, his humble, on the humblest state of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. We begin. Heavenly Father, as we gather together as your people, help us to study your word. And in studying that word, open our hearts, minds, and spirits to let your spirit touch us. And as your spirit touches us, to be your people, to hear your word. And as the prayer says, to read, mark, and inwardly digest that word so that as it becomes a part of us, we live it and proclaim it to others. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The negative part about the teaching like this is I don't know what Pastor Winterhoff has taught up until this point. Anybody help me? Yes. The first week we had Old Testament prophets. Okay. And then last week we had um, the the actual Christmas story, and then his version of the Christmas story. Okay, good. Yes, is what our childhood myths were. What your childhood myths were. And then he. What were some of your childhood myths? He just trashed them all. What were some of your childhood? (laughs) What were some of your childhood myths? Because they are important. Because they do affect even what we're going to talk about today. What are some of your childhood myths? What did you, when you remember growing up with the Christmas story and all that you heard about that Christmas story, what were the myths? What are the kind of things? Well, one of the things that was mentioned was that, um, like, for example, she, she most likely didn't deliver Jesus the very night that they arrived in town. Okay. So they were, they were probably there for a little while. Like, they were there for the census, but they might have been there for a little while before she actually delivered. Okay. And the wise men didn't come that same night. That's one pastor against the other. <laughs> what else? Oh, donkey. Uh, donkeys? Yeah. Well, what about the song? She might have just, they might have just walked. She might not have had a camel. No, yeah, <laughs> have, have any of you been, have any of you had a venture up to Sight and Sound up in uh, Strasburg, Pennsylvania? Yeah. Yeah, have you seen the Christmas show? No. no. I saw it a couple of weeks ago. No. You didn't call and tell us you were going. I didn't call and tell you I was going. I'm sorry. But it, it's, it's fascinating because, again, you have an interpretation. Sure. 
And they spent most of the time in that Christmas show talking about what it must have been like for Mary before the birth. And again, the cultural... And they, they even say at the beginnings, which is very good, they say that this is basically biblical, but we also bring into the cultural aspect of our interpretation of the story. And they talk about what it must have been like for Mary and Joseph, first of all, with the engagement, which you have to remember back then, engagement was far more than it is today. <laughs> and it was a big ceremony, and it was a pledge to be, and in most situations it was almost as marriage. Not all the way, but it was. It was a big community thing. You know, everybody gathered together. It was a big party. It was all kinds of things like that. And then, Mary finds out she's pregnant. Now, if you think small town Williamsburg, <laughs> that the word got around. And imagine back then, what that was like. And then, in their, in their interpretation, which was fascinating to me, how the townspeople shunned her. Anybody know anything about you know, the Amish and how, how shunning happened? And this was the whole aspect of this, how, how they shunned her. And the whole... The whole struggle then became with Joseph and his family and her family. And, and, you know, when those kind of things happen in families, families just run up to each other and hug each other, right? Okay. An interesting interpretation of what it must have been like back then. None of us are back then. We don't have any... We can take history and we can look at it and we can interpret, but we still don't know exactly what occurred. Yeah, is that is that your hand up? Yeah, I see. You can you can raise it higher. The thing that leaped into my mind was it was probably like social media today. Or, 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 oh yeah. Oh, it was. It was. I mean, the, that's that that play which brought that out for me, uh, which I I I. Thought of in my life, but I never really saw it. You see it in an action on a stage. Just brought out the simple fact of how, well, I'll be sarcastic and say it this way how loving and caring people are for those who get themselves in so called trouble. <laughs> okay? The backbiting, the hate. The, the, the women, uh, when Mary would walk down the street in, the, in, the, in this play, they throw water at her. They throw things at her. I mean, it, it is a total... It's not the picture. It's not the nice little story that most of us think about. That, you know, we talk about the myth, or we talk about the, you know, poor Mary. And, and that... I think we need to keep some of that in mind. And I'm only bringing that up because when we get into the story today... I'm wondering how many of you, and I was thinking of doing this this morning, but there's not enough time, and I forgot the paper anyway. I wanted to give you a piece of paper, and I want you to write down, how would you have written the story? How would you have written the story about the Son of God being born into the world? 
What would you have changed? Would you have changed anything? Yes, ma'am. One of the things that struck me last Sunday that there's really only the Gospel of Matthew is the only one that records the story. And it's mentioned about... Uh, you mean you're about the... Uh about the nativity story. That's the only gospel that oh. details the no, you story. Mean Luke. 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 Okay, sorry, sorry. Matthew's Luke. got Matthew's the only one that has the the uh, kings. And and the other thing was Pastor Winterhoff made a point last Sunday that it probably was some months ahead that Joseph and Mary made the journey because he wouldn't want to take a, a woman who was ready ready to deliver on that kind of a journey. And so now, what what you're saying is, it may have been more than just for her uh, physical safety. It may have been for their emotional safety if they were being or or well-being. If they and were I, I think that those are the kind of things we forget about. Okay, <laughs> they're the kind of things we don't think about because the story. We have been all taught the story is such a nice story. We have we have what's the word I want to use. We have sterilized the story. Okay. Hallmark. <coughs> Hallmarked it. Hey. <laughs> I watched, I watched. No, it wasn't Hallmark. It was Lifetime. It was an interesting story on Lifetime last night. It didn't have all the love. It had love into it, but it was, it was different. It was a different kind of love. But that's another story. Uh, but, but I want you to think about this story. Okay. You've been taught it. You've experienced it. How would you have changed it? Or would you have changed it? Well, some of you say, I wouldn't have changed it because you're not quite sure what you would have changed it in any way. But then, let's talk about the story a little bit. Okay. I have to give you a little story about Mary. Okay. And, and yeah, I don't think Mary would have been... Since I cannot say I've experienced this, but I... Any of you have been pregnant about six or seven or eight months and ready for a long journey on a, not in your nice SUV either, <laughs> okay? Uh, a long journey on a donkey or an animal over, and if you have, have you right here been to the Holy Land? Any of you remember what it's like over there? It's not exactly, it's rough area, stones, I mean, it's, it's not... It's like the desert and all the rest of that stuff. So it's not an easy journey. There were no super highways, anything like that. Okay. So you got to put that into the picture. You have the you have the uh, census being called, and you know that's a whole other story. We don't we don't realize. You know, you all gripe and complain about the census that comes every 10 years, okay? And we have one coming up next year. And every time everybody says, I don't want the government to know this about me, I don't want the government to know this about me, they ask me too many questions, etc., etc. Uh, back then it was just simple, go. Okay. We, 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 miss, we miss a lot in the story about what's happening here. And it's important to see what's happening here because what's happening here will enlighten for you how important this story is about God coming into the world. Okay, 
I know you read it last week, but take out your Bibles again. Luke chapter 2. We're going to talk about two groups today. We're going to talk about shepherds and we're going to talk about magi. But first, Luke chapter 2. Starting at verse 1 and reading through verse 21. Somebody want to read it for me? It's so familiar. Some of you probably could read it without even looking. <laughs> or you could tell me the story without even looking. But I want you to read it. Let's read it. Somebody read it for me. I don't care who. Okay. In those days, a decree went out from, from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quinarius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of, of Nazareth, to Judea, to the son of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there, was a there were shepherds in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold... I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and earth and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary measured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Thank you. Don't have to read verse 21. Okay. Anything bother you about this story? Now, don't, I'm, not, I'm not testing your faith or anything. Please, at this point. I want you to see what's happening here, okay? Why are they going to Bethlehem? Did you cover the, did you cover the, uh, the Micah passage last week? Micah 5.2. Anybody got it, please? You, you need one of these if you, you know, those of you that don't have a book. <laughs> And he got it right away. Michael, what? Five two. Somebody want to read it? Go ahead. But you of Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, 
whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Micah foretold that the Messiah is to be born in Bethlehem. That's our interpretation. John. So I have been told, or suggested to me by another Missouri Synod pastor, that maybe Mary told Joseph, you're taking me to Bethlehem. Because she knew that prophecy, and because it seems a little odd that he would take his wife and her at that risk. But she probably, just how things are if you're married, she knows the prophecy, she believes the angel, she takes God in his word. I'm going to Bethlehem because that's where the baby's got to be born. And Joseph was good in his behavior and said, yes, dear. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. I have a book of uh, commentary written by a Messianic Jew. He points out at one point that Bethlehem was where they got the spotless sheep for the sacrifice in the temple. And it's that's where it's important for us to have some cultural pictures of what's going on. Okay. Thank you for bringing it up. Yeah. It's in my notes, but you got to it before then. You, you've got to know all the pieces that are falling in place here. Okay. Plus, as my dear sainted mother said, there are no coincidences in life. Why all of a sudden, if David, if Joseph is of the house and lineage of David. Why all of a sudden are we having a census where everybody has to go where? To their home city. To their home city. Can you imagine in this country if the next census said, uh, before we can count the census, you all have to go to your hometown? Where are you all going? I know I have to go back to St. Louis. Others have to go different places. Can you imagine what that would be like? If you think the if you think travel on the airlines is bad now during the holidays and the roads. Okay. Now I just want you to hear something that's happening here. God doesn't work in miraculous ways just like we look in miraculous ways. God also knows how to use what he needs for something to happen. That's why I said my dear sainted mother said there are no coincidences in life. And I firmly believed her because I see nothing. Nothing happens just because it's going to happen. And the enrollment of the census happened because it was part of God's purpose for it to happen. Because the scriptures are going to be fulfilled. That's why we struggle sometimes. That's why I was kidding you and said, in the sense, if you wrote your own story, you've got to know a lot more about what's happening. I gave you that little bit about Mary. You've got to have some understanding. You've got to have understand some of the biblical prophecies from the Old Testament. There's cultural things going on here. So if it's, let, let's play the game. I'm going to play the game. Next census in next April. April 15th, which is also tax day, is the day for the 2020 census. And on that day, you all have to be in your hometown. 
you are all looking at me with like deer with headlights, okay? <laughs> because you can imagine what that might be like. If all of you have to go back, I don't know where you I said, if I can imagine all the people that I know that have moved from St. Louis to other parts of the world or this country, all had to descend on St. Louis and be there on April the 15th, whoa. Yeah, but all the people that were in St. Louis that were some from some place. Well, yes, it's some, it's some there, but it, it's the movement. It's the movement. It's the movement and finding places to stay. Think about it. Yes, John. Because a census is a forbidden thing. God struck Israel with the plague because they tried to... They tried to number. Oh, I have a census, and it's like it specifically said in the rule book, do not... Yeah, and the Romans are making them do it, so they're really upset because they're being made to do something. Did, did you ever think about how God sometimes uses the things that we don't think to do something that he wants to be done? <laughs> okay. But I did, you know, I want, what I want you to think about is the, the mass movement of people. And again, nobody's driving their SUVs on interstate highways or flying and the uh, airplanes getting from place to place. You're all moving on land. Get your Conestoga wagon and get moving, okay? So the, the mass confusion that's happening here, okay, culturally, is taking place. It's in the midst of all this stuff that something miraculous happens. I want you to, I want you to feel that with this story. I sometimes, like I said to you, when we when we sterilize the story, and it, and I'm not saying it's wrong to sterilize the story. I want you to see where how God is acting here in more than just a simple in, with Mary and Joseph. But he's upsetting the whole world. The whole world is upset at that time, as we know it. Not just Mary and Joseph, not just two families, not just two towns, but the whole world as it's known. That says something. And if you wanna, if you wanna, if you wanna be um, tie something biblical to this, okay. Now I'm gonna get off on that little edge here. Some people might say it's too right or too left. I don't care what you say. Is in the midst of chaos, God acts. Now, where in the midst of chaos did God act once before? Noah. Noah. Go back. Creation. Creation. He took creation and he brought form, light, everything together with his, what does Genesis say? God's word. God's word. Okay. God spoke in the midst of chaos. Getting a little something out of the uh, what's happening here? We have chaos. 
People are all over the place. The things are all out of order. Even with Mary and Joseph, things are out of order. Families are out of order. The town's out of order, etc. And what comes into the midst of that? The Savior. What? The Savior. The Savior. And how does God say it? Because I want you to make the connection back to Genesis. The Word was made flesh. The Word. The Word. In the midst of all the chaos, the Word is born. God acts. You see, there's more going on here. There's a lot happening here. Let's talk about the shepherd. Anybody around any shepherds around here recently? <laughs> When's the last time you run into any shepherds? Anybody grow up in a place where there were shepherds? There were animals here for the Bethlehem walk. What do you know about shepherds? There are still shepherds in, in Israel, by the way. But what do you know about they sleep out under the stars. They yeah. sleep out yeah. under the stars? Okay, that's good. They're probably loners. They're loners? Uh, 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 we know about loners. Uh, they're vigilant. They're vigilant? <coughs> okay. What else about them? They love their sheep. They love their sheep. <laughs> what else? Well, the footnotes in my Bible say something about it. they were kind of looked down on by yeah. other people. Yeah, they were. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was trying to figure out a comparison and... And this is a poor comparison, but in some senses, and since we have also mythologically made cowboys <laughs> into something far greater than they were, <laughs> I think some of the cowboys out of the West, the real cowboys out of the West, not White Orp and all the rest of them, okay? But the real cowboys that had to work on those ranches out in the middle of nowhere, etc., 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 can have some. If you could get the real picture of them, I think you can get some understanding of what the shepherds were like. Okay, because those cowboys out in the mid, out in the west out there were their own guys, weren't they? They had their own rules, their own laws. They didn't like the rules and laws of anybody else coming in. I want you to just think about that, okay? Maybe there's a connection. I, I, it's, it's, I'm pushing it, okay? But I want you to understand that shepherds were not those nice guys that were here taking care of the sheep and, you know, and they were the real nice... They, you didn't want them as your neighbors. First of all, they have both sheep there. And if you've ever been around sheep pens, I will tell you. Okay. But they, they had a reputation. And their reputation was they couldn't be trusted. You entrusted your animals to them. But you weren't sure what they were going to do with your animals. And every once in a while the stories are told culturally 
that sometimes a sheep of yours might disappear, and somebody might say some animal got it, but they're not quite sure if maybe somebody had dinner. <laughs> you see, they weren't, and they were caught. In fact, if you didn't know this, this is now. The law stated shepherds could not, hear me correctly, could not be witnesses to anything. If there was a court of law, if there was anything else, you couldn't call in your shepherd because he was untrusted. It was in the culture. Didn't think about that, did you? They probably weren't even part of the census that was taken. Well, yeah, it doesn't really say they may not because they really, in some in some senses, they were non-entities. They were there, and they did what they were supposed to do, but culturally they were non-entities. Not only were they not witnesses, they were not allowed to enter the temple. They had to stay outside the gates. Got it? Who does God use to tell the story of the word become flesh? (laughs) Is that how you would have written the story? If you knew about those shepherds, and you knew they were couldn't be witnesses, then anything they had to say didn't count. If they were outside the temple, they were outside the story, they were not allowed to partake of anything. They had they had a reputation that was beyond any reputation that you could ever imagine. Is that who you choose to announce? For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. See, I want you to understand that because most of you probably read this one section of the passage. And it's verse 18 in my Bible. Well, 17 and 18. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Why do you think they wondered? Because the greatness of the story? That's what we'd like to think. But what are you telling me? This guy? Who has no entity in my society, our society? This guy who we really look down upon because he's we don't know about him, you know, and all the rest of this stuff. He has no standing in the temple. He has no standing as a witness in terms of our jurisdiction system or anything else, and he's going to come and tell me what? Think about it. They believed the angels and knew that that they had come from the Lord. The shepherds. The shepherds. Believed the angels and that this had happened and that they should go and see. But when they started telling the story... See, this is why I'm asking you. I want you to see what's happening in this story. 
Okay, there's a lot happening here that needs for us to understand what God is doing here. John. They, um, the, the people that heard this from them were probably thinking, we've got to go count the sheep. <laughs> I think you were, they, they they you were drinking last night, we've got to go count the they sheep. May have. And the story itself went right over their heads. They may have. They may have. But see, how much we get the reputation of the shepherd? How we make them nice guys, you know. You know, if you if you can't be anything else, it's nice to be one of the shepherds and have one of those. You know, you've all played the characters in the Christmas story. Did you ever think about playing a shepherd and realizing what you were really being cast as? No, I hope not. But anyway, think about this. There's a lot going on in the Christmas story. Let me ask you a simple question. Where in the text does it tell you how the shepherds found Mary and Joseph? The star. Well, the angel told them to go to the city of David. Oh, but he means... How did they... Wait a minute. This is, going, this is going to Bethlehem. The town is a crazy mess. And they're not staying at Holiday Inn. <laughs> Well, they told him that he was in the manger. Ah. Okay, that's the local parking garage. Which one? Yeah. Which parking garage? Now, that, I want, see, I want you to see what's happening here. Okay. I'm not trying to debunk the story. I want you to see what's happening in this story. You see, our, our, our myths and our beautifying or our, you know, whatever we do with the story begins to allow us not to really see what's happening here. It's a nice story. Then it becomes a nice story about a baby being born. It's nice how God acted. And uh, Christmas, and this is it. But you see, what's happening in the Christmas story, there's a lot going on here. I don't think I ever think about the shepherd. Now I said to you, I asked you the question. I don't know how many times it took me to read that passage and realize, yes, he's being born in Bethlehem. Go ahead and go, and you will find him with wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger. Huh? Where? It's in Bethlehem. How many mangers are there in Bethlehem? How big a town was it? How big a town is it? Well, see, the problem is, Bethlehem is just double, triple, quadrupled in size because of the census. Uh, I'm not trying to debunk the Christmas story for you. I'm trying for you to see there's a lot more going on in this Christmas story than what we sometimes think about the Christmas story. There's a lot more happening here to see the greatness of how God breaks into history again than this nice little comfortable story. These shepherds. And you're right. Uh, you mentioned, come on. When is the last time you suddenly were out in the shepherds, out in the field, keeping watch over your flock by night, and suddenly the heavens open. 
Now remember who we're talking about. We're talking about the shepherds. As I said to you, they were the outsiders of society. They were not well educated. <clears throat> they probably they they were the you know in some senses they were about as bottom of the society as you can get. And now God appears to them, and there's angels singing in heaven. You ever wonder what the shepherds felt like? <laughs> I'm pretty, pretty scared. What, what is it? Pretty scared? They're scared, and they, they'd probably be hiding themselves. Well, that, I like that because I like what you said that. Because somebody, when I asked that question about, you know, and they said, and the baby wrapped in twine lying in the manger, and suddenly there appeared, somebody said, well, they forgot to write them. They did tell them, but they got so scared by the angels, they forgot. When, let's go, said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, the Lord has made known. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we want to lose sight of the fact that Jesus calls himself a good shepherd. Um... And that there's so much in Scripture about the sheep who follow the shepherd. I know they were not educated, and I know they weren't clean, but um, they had a very important role. They did Old Testament work. In, in the Old Testament. God yes, himself is called the shepherd of his people. So is David. And we call our pastors our shepherd. That, that's word to word, yes. So I don't... I don't think, I'm having trouble with the, the dishonesty part. I'm sure every group has a, a few dishonest people, but um, I, I don't think Jesus would have used that analogy of the shepherd of his people if that had been something that I don't want. Would not I don't want you to move too far. I want you to stay with the story because the story brings out some important things here. And the one I want you to stay with the story is that the announcement of the good news, which God breaks into, the word becomes flesh, first comes to those who would most least likely ever want to, would even know anything about the good news. They're outside, they're outside the worship, okay? They're also not reliable witnesses. They're the ones that God, God uses that which we do not think most of the time, we would use. I mean, if you rewrote the story, you'd make sure your witnesses are pretty what? You're not going to go. You're not going. You're not going. You're going to use reputable witnesses, aren't you? Mm -hmm. yeah, I, just, I just think they might have been reputable. I mean, they. You're pushing. Debbie, you're pushing. You're pushing. You're and, and you're pushing the story beyond where the story is right now. You have, we have already in our minds, know Jesus is the good shepherd. We know all that stuff, okay? But we need to also have a cultural understanding of where these shepherds were back then, okay? They were not, and in fact, you will read scripturally. And is it Micah? 
in Micah and some of the Old Testament prophets, what happened with the shepherds who were supposed to be the good guys and protect the people, God became incensed with them because they started I hate to use the word but I'm going to say it raping the people they used their standing to take advantage of those for whom they were committed to taking care of this picture happens and the latter part of the Old Testament. We have this beautiful picture of David. We have all this thing in the scriptures telling us about how wonderful the shepherds and the, the calling of shepherds. But as, as time goes on, toward the end of the Old Testament, they don't have that reputation anymore. Okay, They don't have that reputation. Even the concept of leadership which is what a shepherd is supposed to be, starts to, excuse me, I'm going to use good old Lutheran theology. The old Adam creeps in. I'm just saying that isn't it wonderful that Jesus restored. Uh, that's, that's where we're going, okay? That's what you see is happening, okay? That's why I said to you, you've got to see chaos, and you've got to see the word coming into the midst of chaos. You've got to see the chaos of the world, and you've got to see the word again coming into the midst of the world, and how that word breaks in and uses what should have been and changes it to what it should be. But the story itself brings out all kinds of other stuff here, because these guys, you know, again, they are the shepherds. The word, the shepherd was supposed to bring the message. That's the way it was biblically. That was Old Testament. That was what it was. They fell flat on their faces. They didn't live up to their reputation. So whom does God use to announce the good news to? Shepherds. But at this time, their standing in society is not what it should be. God is taking what was and what wasn't and maybe molding it into being what it originally should be. But you see, you can only see that when you understand what's happening here. That's what I want you to see in the Christmas story. You, you beyond the Christmas story. You are taking the Christmas story and you're moving it beyond. And that's fine. Because that's where it should move to. But let's stay at the Christmas story. I mean, come on. Look at the other guys in this story. It's only in Matthew. i got to watch my time. What time is it? i got 15 minutes to talk about Magi. Okay, well, let me touch one more thing on the, on the, on the shepherds, okay? If they are where they are in society, and if the shepherds, and thank you, Debbie, for pointing it out to me and reminding me of it, if the shepherds have gone from here in society to about here in society, isn't it interesting? Or shouldn't it say something? That who gets the first announcement of the good news 
about the Savior? Well, he came to seek and save those that were lost. And Jesus himself in the flesh was friends with the prostitutes of the lowest. In Listen the to the words of the angel. For unto you is born in the city of David a Savior. Don't forget that. John, you were... Just, uh, it's not the Christmas story, but who he, cho- he chose to be his first actual witnesses to the resurrection were not what you would call reliable. Well, he chose women. Well, we know they didn't count in society back then either. But that's what he chose. That's yeah. what he chooses. Yes, sir. Um, oh, I was just thinking, it's funny too, because Jesus incarnate is the one who will bring the glory back into the temple that has been lost. And yet, the shepherds are not even allowed into the temple. Right. But they are the witnesses on this tonight of his birth. Yeah, if you get a little theological there, I'm going to throw in one Lutheran theology, one Christian theology. Okay. In the creation story, we have, cre- we have the creation of whom? Adam. Adam. Who is Jesus Christ considered in theology in the New Testament? The new, the new Adam. Think about it. Enough on shepherds? You want to rewrite the story yet? See, there's a lot. There's a lot here. There's a lot going on in this these few verses. This little story has a lot happening to it. And it's sending out, and it constantly, for me, it constantly focuses, the whole story focuses on the action of God and I will focus on one word and that's the message of the angels and to for you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. And it's all whose action? God. All God's action. Let's talk about the other guys that come. They're not even mentioned here. You have to go to Matthew, chapter 2. Where are my emails? I get this week. <laughs> Matthew, chapter 2. Starting at verse, um, verse 1. Somebody want to read for me? I have to watch our time, but somebody read. Verses 1 through, it's another familiar story to you, through 12. Please read. Now all of you have one. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem was with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. 
for this is what the prophets have written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler, who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go out and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to the country by another route. What do you know about Herod? He's <laughs> not a fun guy. You know, in today's world, I was trying to think of, um, well, I thought about North Korea a little bit. But there have been other others who it was if you're if it was a member of your family or anybody you thought they were talking behind your back, they suddenly disappeared and you never saw them anymore. Okay. Yes, John. From the, the early class we have one of the the Caesar that was whoever he was when, when Herod the Great died said it's better to be Herod's pig than his son. Uh-huh. That's Caesar's comment on Herod. Herod, Herod was about as bad as bad as be. He didn't even trust. If you were his closest advisor, and you sneezed the wrong way, that might be the last sneeze you ever had. Okay, so you got to have a figure of reputation here. Okay. Now, where are these guys from? It says from the east. Where in the world are they coming from? East New Jersey? I don't know. You know. Asia somewhere. Somewhere that we don't know. <laughs> and we don't know how they got there. Tell me, where does it say how they got there? Where does it say they rode camels? So did you see that part about camels? <laughs> <laughs> we all know it was camels. <laughs> and by the way, and, 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 and I know how, you know, where are their names? You know, we traditionally, we have their, they have names. We have tradition to give them names. What, does anybody know their name? Balthazar and Casper and Melchior. Okay, tradition we have given them names. Where did those come from? Tradition. Tradition. <laughs> tradition. And by the way, and I, I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm pushing all the envelopes today for you for the story. Okay. How many are there? Where did you get three from? It doesn't say here how many were here. Because they have three gifts. <laughs> they only brought one gift. They have three gifts. They have names. Yeah. That makes sense, doesn't it? But the scriptures don't tell us any of that. And again, of course, Don, you made this comment at the very beginning. How long was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. How long did they come? I used to have a member of my one parish who used to be infuriated 
when we would put up the manger scene outside and put the Ragi in the manger scene, they are not to go in that manger scene until January the 6th. <laughs> Which is our celebration of the Epiphany, right? Which most of us don't celebrate January the 6th because it always is a never on a Sunday, okay? And, and, you know, we gave a couple of weeks in between there. If you have paid attention to that, at least there are a couple of weeks in there. But, you know... Shouldn't the wise men technically come like two and a half years after? Well, <laughs> so like well see, see, now I want you to think about that. Because what does Herod do? How, what does Herod do when he finds out he's been tricked? God, day of innocence, okay? The day of innocence. And what is his, what is his statement as to what children should be killed? Two and under. Two and under. Boys. Two and under boys. He's oh. also likely to use a shotgun to blow everything away because I'm, I'm cool and it's useful to me. And we're not sure. We're but not he's sure. not sure. So I'm going to make sure they're all... So a two and under. Well, that's an interesting number to use, okay? Maybe. And who are these guys? Where do they come from? Yeah, I know. You like, you, you like them riding on camels. And you like them having big robes on and jewelry hanging down from them and all the rest of that. We don't know. Culture kind of tells us they might have looked like that, but they might not have looked like that. Can you imagine? I just want you to think about this for a minute. Riding through the desert, dressed like that, <laughs> with all those robes and things like that. Oh, no. I, I, I'm, I'm, playing, I'm playing a scenario out of here, but I want you to think about it. Well, that's this. why they were on camels, though, because so, camels travel through the desert. Oh, that's desert. why they were on camels. Yeah, because they were riding in the desert. But that's the same thing. Yeah. Well, everything to the east was kind of deserty. Everything to the east was kind of deserty. How far east? <laughs> I don't know, bro. I'm playing with you guys, but I want you to see what's happening here. Because who are these magi? Gentiles. They're Gentiles. <laughs> They are not part of the culture. They are not, they are, at least the shepherds were part of the culture. They were not a negative, they were a negative part of the culture, but they were part of the culture. These magi are coming from a place that, well, if you want to think about it, for the Israelites, anybody that came from anywhere else was their enemy. enemy. Think about it. And here come the Magi. Mm-hmm. At least they're not in a manger anymore. It says they're in a house. <laughs> <laughs> they moved from the parking garage to a room in the hotel. Right here. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of... I, I want, I'm, I'm playing with you with the story because I want you to... I'm, I'm trying to get you to see this story and what's happening here. It's not just a simple story about a baby. It's not just a simple story about God breaking into history. It's a simple story that when God breaks into history, he's breaking into history in such a way 
that's turning every every opportunity to turn anything upside down, God does it in this Christmas story. Because the Savior, behold, I bring you good tidings, which shall be to whom? All people. Uh-oh. Shepherds. And now, Gentiles. Gentiles. I have two minutes. I have two minutes. I want you to see the Christmas story with new eyes. I want you to see the Christmas story this Christmas time again. How God wants you to see the Christmas story. It's not a myth. It's God breaking into the world again. It's God's, and for me, and this has been so important for me to understand, it's God recreating to bring to what he originally created, you and I, into this world. Think of Genesis. Think of the creation. Think of the word. And then think of John. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only of the Father, full of grace and truth. Shepherds restored. The word, not just for a small group, but for all of us. That we may be less. Thank you all. Thank you for listening to the King of Glory Church Education Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God and His people, grow in faith and love, and live through service and sharing. Visit us on the web at kogva.org.